I want to thank this congregation for the opportunity and the privilege to bring you God's word this morning. And I also want to thank God that his grace is enough for me. Please join me in our prayer of illumination. Great are your works, O Lord. Holy, holy, holy are you indeed, you alone. The earth is full of your glory. Help us to see and hear fully your creation, your revelation, and the call you place upon us. We wish to appreciate your majesty to the fullest. Grant us clarity of thought and word, guidance to follow you alone, and encouragement to always stand upon the truth regardless the cost. Test our hearts and minds and direct us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, this morning, please let me bring your word, nothing more, nothing less than your truth. Amen. So this morning's sermon is titled, uh, Be Ready. Two simple words, be ready. Ready for what? Ready for anything, ready for everything, and, and how do you do that? I thought it was worthwhile to take a moment to look at the people of Hawaii and think back this past week to what they suffered and endured and how quickly their lives changed. Were they ready? Can you ever be ready for something like that? Ever prepared enough? Uh, Many of the people that I saw interviewed shared a common response to what occurred, and that was they were in in paradise. They were absorbing God's creation, admiring all that he uh, had blessed them with. They were in his presence in the awe of Hawaii. And in in a moment, in a moment, life changed. So for many minutes, they were admiring and gazing on paradise. And In a few minutes later, they were fleeing for their lives from an inferno that consumed and totally destroyed what was paradise. Paradise to ruin without a warning. In uh, follow-up interviews, many of the people said, what happened to the warning system? We weren't warned. And in a flash, it was all gone. Can you relate to that experience? the suddenness, the impact of that change? Have you had an experience in your life that may have allowed you to relate to them? The sudden change is what I'm asking you to focus on as I bring the message this morning. Most of us can point to some incident in our life that was so radical that it imprinted us physically or spiritually. Think about what the associated life change in your life has been to that experience that you and you alone may have experienced. Think about it as I share an experience of my own life and the change it produced in my life. When I was in my late teens, I was riding my Harley-Davidson Sportster motorcycle to Milwaukee to the Harley Museum. Even as a young person, that was kind of on my bucket list. I wanted to get there and see that. And I took a friend with me. It was a beautiful sunny day. All was good. I mean, really good. Just felt the breeze in our face. 
enjoyed the sun. Everything was uh, rocking and rolling. It was all good. And then uh, we returned home on the tri-state, and during that ride back, we got caught in the rain of just a downpour around Hinsdale. <clears throat> and uh, naturally, I wasn't wearing a helmet. I was uh, in blue jeans and a T-shirt, because at that age, you're invincible. You're ready to go for anything. And uh, my friend and I agreed we'll try outrun the storm. So I got on it a little bit, and I was probably doing about 70 as we passed a dump truck. And I remember his load was sand, and that sand just blew in my face. Again, not wearing a helmet. It felt like a sandblaster. And I was becoming a little disoriented, and the uh, next thing I knew, the engine froze a piston. And my world stopped. (laughs) It absolutely stopped. Thank God, the guy in the back yelled, Clutch! And I, it kind of stirred me. And I remember him digging into my shoulders, squeezing so hard. That's all I could really feel because the rest of me was totally numb. And I was shaken to the core. I was in disbelief in the midst of a near-death experience. And uh, for you younger people, the Talking Heads wasn't a group at the time, but I, I swear I could have written their lyrics for one of their songs. How did I get here? <laughs> I just... And in a moment like that, oftentimes time is extended, not to compete with uh, the passage of time theory, but you can uh, extend those moments. They seem much longer than they are. Again, this all happened without any warning. Uh, I praise God for not letting that bike go down. I'm certain I would not have been here today if that had occurred. But for the sake of time, I'd like to fast forward a little bit and just bring you to what that experience imprinted upon me. Number one, I recognized the miracle of life. I recognized the miracle that just had occurred. And my thoughts and prayers were just focused on the gratitude uh, I had to the Lord for bringing me out of that. It taught me to have situational awareness as I most likely will go through life unprepared, not prepared for everything I will encounter. But I'll do my best to be prepared for the really important things, if that's within my control. And one thing I'll certainly do is warn those I love, I care about, that they need not experience what I experience to learn from what I'm able to share them. In fact, my teenage boys... Uh, as they were growing up, suffered from the position I took that, as for me and my house, we will not ride motorcycles. So the older boy in particular always wanted one, and uh, he had to do without. And why would that be? Because of the care and love I have for them. Uh, I thought I knew better, and uh, that was the way it was going to be. So going back to being ready, how do we do that? How, how are we ready with or without a warning? And certainly a warning, you would agree, is preferred. So I want to go back to the messages uh, from last week for a moment. And last week we learned the principle that allegiance to Christ alone 
brings the body of Christ and his church into unity, our allegiance and our reliance upon Christ alone. Anything that breaks or challenges that has to be eliminated from our lives. And I'm asking you now that a week has passed, are you ready for that challenge? If you identified something that was interfering with Christ alone, your belief, would you be ready to accept that challenge at all cost? And the week before, pastor's message was focused on reaching an impasse, and he pointed to the impasse Jesus was having with the Jewish leaders and the fact that he basically walked away, right? He just had enough. They were at an impasse. He recognized it wasn't going to change. Well, I ask you, are you at an impasse? Do you have a stumbling block in your life that maybe needs to be removed? Is there a repetitive sin that needs to be removed? In either case, both cases faced with the example uh, that was also referenced in Luther's quote from the sermon last week, peace if possible, but truth at all costs. Why in the world would we be challenged to act, be governed, live according to truth at all costs, at any cost? Jude addresses for us a third warning this week that I'll get to here shortly. And it's the defection, defection from truth. It's turning away, it's falling away, it's walking away, it's disbelief, it's apostasy. Pardon me, I've been fighting a cold all week. I hope I don't blast you out here. That wasn't so bad, was it? Just as with the previous sermons, Jude is offering God's warning to his people then, and because it's a general warning, it's to us saints as well. We view Christ and his word and his wisdom and power of God, but others do not. Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians to reinforce what our belief should be. 1 Corinthians states it well, for the word of the cross is folly, Keep that word in mind. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Maybe from uh, the reading angel did from Judges, you can see an example of that folly that kindled God's wrath and anger, and it brought trembling. Wouldn't you, shouldn't you be trembling if, if you realized your disregard for God's word was going to put you at odds against the most powerful, almighty God, the only true God. So these warnings received now as then are vital. We need to recognize the threat, heed these warnings, and diligently keep our faith. So recognize the challenge we face to walk in truth, recognize we never want to be at an impasse in our faith and certainly recognize the warning that Jude will bring us about apostasy in our midst, in our church, in this congregation. 
All throughout Scripture, God warns anyone and everyone to the consequences of sin. We hear it week after week. The consequences of sin is death. And yet, oftentimes, those warnings are ignored and not heeded. We as believers have been entrusted to drive away with all diligence, with every ounce of strength we had, any false doctrine that might interrupt our growth and our security and our spirituality. And I want to point out that Jude felt compelled because of his empathy, because of his love for the people. He, he felt compelled to urgently warn us of apostasy in the church that needed to be guarded against regardless of the cost. We're back to that again, regardless of the cost. This apostasy is disbelief and, and defection from the faith. And it's not to be confused with the secular world's unbelief. We recognize from Scripture their eyes are veiled. Okay, the truth has not been illuminated to them. They don't know better. And in some cases, I think we've all experienced uh, it's a bad position to be in when you don't know what you don't know until it's upon you. So again, don't be confused. This isn't the worldly outlook. This is a warning to us in, the, in our midst in the congregation. But we do witness a great deal of confusion in the world, a reality confusion, and that has spilled over into our church. Not Peace Church, but the church at large. Accuracy is replaced with advocacy. My truth, my truth, is what I deem it to be. We hear this very often on uh, the news. And we're also prompted, because of that, to make accommodations. Many churches feel accommodations to the gospel have to be made accordingly to avoid offending anyone. Well, they're wrong. So let's begin to look at Jude, Jude's warning to us. Jude 1, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. I want to unpack those first couple of verses for a moment. I think they're noteworthy in that Jude introduces himself as a servant of Christ. And it's been pointed out in some sermons and in the scripture, Jude is a half-brother to Jesus Christ. So in our culture, why wouldn't you say, Jesus is my half-brother, let me put my arm around him, I'm a believer, and, and take advantage of that relationship. He does not, and why not? Because he has come to believe finally In Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Until the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus, Jude was not committed to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He was tied, he was linked as half-brother, but he had not yet bent knee and acknowledged him as Lord and Savior. And then he continues that we're called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus. Well, we've experienced the call of God or we wouldn't be here. 
and praise him for that. But to focus on that we're beloved in God's grace and mercy until we can become one with them is something you don't want to just glance over. And uh, in the book of John, we read that Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the Lord, of God, and he is our advocate. He's praying for us. Imagine that. He's praying for us to bring us along until we can be one with them. So again, just appreciate we're kept. We are kept for Jesus by God the Father. And uh, if you think about that, talk about a maximum security position you're in. Nothing can happen to you. It's God holding you in the palm of his hand. So Jude continues in verse 3, he picks up, and the header there is judgment on false teachers. And I just want to read that to you the next couple of verses. We'll take it slow and then we'll unpack them. So verse 3, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only master in Lord Jesus Christ. That's a key phrase, uh, a key scripture I want us not to slide over. Ungodly people who pervert, significant choice of words, pervert the grace of God into sensuality. So Jude is offering next, we're about to come into some examples that he's going to offer as examples of apostasy that has occurred. And I want you to think about a few that, of the examples that challenge our church today and see if there's relevance. Are they congruent with what I'm going to share the church faces today contemporarily with what Jude brought to us in his message Contemplate the current challenges addressing our steadfast faith in, in our Lord and Savior. Same-sex marriage, homosexuality, now celebrated for an entire month. Talk about flaunting, flaunting something that is absolutely against God's decree and will. It's entered the church as well, in many cases, with open arms. The transgender claims, the focus on pedophilia, trying to make it, from a worldly perspective, acceptable, and now even transracial proposals. When you add these with the plague of abortion that our country has suffered, the sin of abortion that our country has willingly suffered. Uh, All of these are examples of lies exchanged for the truth of God's truth. These are activities beyond the ordinary course of nature. Sin presents itself in endless possibilities, and we see that daily. And what's important, I, I need to interject here, because too often 
we're not really willing to stand firm in the truth at any cost. Too often we may be in a situation of impasse in our families, things we don't want to address. But I'm asking you to remember, this, these aren't my opinions. They aren't Jews' opinions. They're God's will, God's purpose, God's commands that are being attacked. All of these represent cultural views, the exchange of truth for lies, and the rejection of God's perfect plan and purpose for his creation, for his men and women, for his children, for you and I. His word warns us that these actions, as with all sin, lead to God's righteous judgment, condemnation, death, and eternal damnation unless the sinner repents and believes in the power of the name of Jesus in his atonement. Never forget that God always has the last word and God's patience has limits and his judgment is inescapable. I'm going to pick up at verse 5 where Jude continues. Now I want to remind you, so that's significant. He's telling you, I know that you know this. I want to remind you, and so often that's what we try to do from the pulpit, isn't it? We bring you God's word, his truths that you know, that you ascribe to, that you accept, that you profess, but we want to remind you to be strong. So I repeat verse 5, now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Now, how can that be? Jesus, God brings the people out of Egypt and then he later destroys them because they don't believe. The angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwellings, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. I've got a neighbor that always refers to little children as the littles, and I just love that. And I'm asking you older, mature Christians, I'm keeping them in my mind to be sensitive to the littles. But what, what this is referencing was angels stepping out of bounds, not staying put, not remaining placed where God positioned them. And in short, if you look this up for yourself, you'll see it's the, the, son, the sons of God laying with the daughters of men. And we'll just let it lay right there if you don't mind. And then his next example is Sodom and Gomorrah. The surrounding cities which likewise indulge in sexual immortality, I'm sorry, immorality, And pursued unnatural desires. So here again, they serve as an example by undergoing punishment of the eternal fire. I looked for some supporting scripture just to see what the Holy Spirit may have said through other apostles. And Genesis 13.13 puts it this way. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. And that's what I ask you to remember, as I stated a few minutes ago, 
we need to always remember that it's God that we choose to defend. It's God who we wish to proclaim the gospel and to bring praise and glory. It's not personal opinion. They were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Sodom and Gomorrah, known then as well as now for the presence of every conceivable erratic perversion. In Genesis 19, it is stated this way, and it's referencing the angels that came to Lot's house. But before they, those angels, lay down, go to bed, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. They called out to Lot, where are the men that came here tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot replied, I beg you, brothers, do not act so wickedly. I have two daughters who have not known any man. He was willing to barter them in exchange. That's pretty hard to contemplate. The Holy Spirit spoke to us or speaks to us again in Hebrews. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. I don't know if any of you know personally some people that have stumbled and fallen away from their faith. But oftentimes, and unfortunately, many times you see it with religious leaders that you have had faith in over the years and thought were spot on and walking in God's truth, and yet they've fallen away. So the takeaway here, as with some of the other things I've referenced, is don't be proud and arrogant thinking this can't happen to you. You're challenged to, and you're warned to be on guard, to protect yourself, to protect, to value, to cherish your faith, to cherish the Lord in such a way that you're ready to defend. You're at the ready. Be ready. I'll continue on from the living God, but exhort one another every day. That's what we're trying to do right now. As long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as it in rebellion. For those who heard and yet rebelled, was it not all of those who left Egypt led by Moses? So again, Jude offers the example the Jewish people came out of Egypt with the Lord, but their grumbling, their dissatisfaction, their uh, gossiping caused their faith to waver and they turned to unbelief. They did not continue their walk with the Lord, and hence they did not enter the promised land. They defected. Some of my brothers uh, and I challenge uh, men at, at Morning Star Mission when we bring the message. We try to keep it simple. You need to be in the position to clearly understand you're in Christ or you automatically are out of Christ. So the challenge is, are you in or are you out of Christ? They clearly, uh, by their defection, were not in Christ. The quote here quickly, just another scriptural reference from Hebrews, Hebrews 2. Therefore, 
we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So again, you don't want to be walking out of here thinking, you know, that message was for the guy next to me or the lady next to me. No, this message is God's warning to you for you to be on guard. Take this stuff seriously. Well, God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So Jude warns us to beware of those that creep in our midst Unnoticed, they breed confusion. Oftentimes, uh, you might look at them as disruptors. They offer conflicting, conflicting views and voices. Sometimes they even create chaos within the church. But at the very least, they can help breed loss of confidence in our own beliefs, where we begin to challenge ourselves in our thinking. Jude continues in verse 8. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, Lord, rebuke you. Here's the punchline. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them. Woe to them. uh, That should send some shivers upon you if you're ever hearing that directed at you. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts as they feast with and without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds, waterless clouds very empty, swept along by winds, fruitless trees, not producing, not reproducing, as God's plan calls us to do. Twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting upon the foam of their shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. So these are the angels being held because of their disobedience, because they weren't satisfied remaining in the boundaries that God had set for them. So in quick summary of verse 5 through 8, Jude calls out the fact that God's purposes are rejected. They are overturned. They are denied in man's erroneous quest for total freedom to do whatever he pleases. And as Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. This is all throughout scripture, all of these warnings, all of these rebellious, sinful situations. But most importantly, they are to tell us, just like then, we too need to be aware. This message is is directed to help save us from a, a consequence that happens in a matter of seconds. Without warning, God always warns his people because of his love for us. Then it, as now, exists a battle against the Bible 
from those who desire their total individual sexual rights. And they suffer from great delusion. The one-man group on Saturday studied respectable sins. And it's ironic to think of how um, the term abortion in our culture today is references reproductive rights. What's reproductive about aborting life that God has created? So the secular world, they recognize the sin and they try to sugarcoat it. They try to change it. They try to lessen the impact of that sin. And when I hear these things, I often just hear, did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Isn't that the age-old question that uh, Satan, the deceiver, whispers into our ears? First Corinthians says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So for you younger people in particular, still in school, those going away to college, I really feel for you because you're going to be challenged severely by the culture you're going to step into. And I can only encourage you with God's word to flee the love of love crowd. (laughs) Love is love crowd. God must appreciate and allow the homosexuals, because he is love. Well, he is love. That is true. So that truth is being twisted. Do not love the world, we're told in 1 John 5. Do not love the world because it's anti-God. And if you love the world, you have enmity between you and our Lord. The world is full of sex, lust, and perversion. And... It can be referenced, really, the days of Lot. Okay, the days of Lot are just as applicable again with this love is love crowd. Love can be sinful, and you want to be aware it can be sinful if it comes from the wrong source and if the object of your love is the wrong object. Again, to you going away to school and interacting with this current Uh, crowd, the secular world. It may look good. It may feel good. You know the truth. You know that God tells you not to step out of bounds. You know it's sinful. You know it leads to death. And you have to remember that, please. I want to turn to the Apostle Paul's writings in Romans for a moment. And again, it's just... uh, He's certainly an apostle we're more familiar with than Jude. What does he say about God's wrath on righteousness? God's wrath on unrighteousness. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. They change it. They exchange the truth for lies. We've heard that mentioned elsewhere. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. They are without excuse. And unfortunately, or fortunately, however you choose to look at it, each and every one of us here this morning is without excuse. We know the truth, and it's up to us to defend it and walk in it. 
Claiming to be wise, they became fools that exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. For this reason, and again, here's very strong language. This is terrifying. God gave them up. He's done with it. His patience have run out. God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women and men exchanged natural relationships. They did not see fit to acknowledge God, and God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. You never want to be on the receiving end of God's release of you to your sinful desires. And praise God, the majority of us seated here today are saved by his grace and mercy and held in his hand. We want to celebrate that. We want to remember that. We want to rejoice in that. Jude continues, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of holy ones, Here he's referencing Enoch, but I want us to focus on the language of this warning. To execute judgment on all, to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouthed boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. Don't we see that just everywhere in our culture? But again, we've got to be looking for it within our midst because Jude's warning is about apostasy, the falling away in our midst of fellow believers or who we believe are fellow believers. All of Jude's examples have these common characteristics, rebellion and disobedience towards God, Disbelief by unbelievers that God will not do what he says he will. They hear the warning like we do, but they don't heed it. They don't respect it. They don't honor it. Unbelief will keep you from Christ, and unbelief will keep you from heaven. I look for two contemporary uh, examples for support, and very quickly, John Calvin, I turn to, and he states, all that Christ has done for us is of no value to us if we remain outside of Christ. It's like it never happened. All that he did, all that he sacrificed. And one more, at the end of the 19th century, they asked William Booth, an English preacher, but more known for the fact that he founded the Salvation Army, Okay, his opinion as to the chief dangers facing the Christian church leading into the 20th century. Booth stated his concerns were religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ. And oftentimes you see on TV in particular messages brought and preached that don't reference Jesus Christ at all. He's not mentioned at all. Another concern, forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. Change is required It should be evident if you're saved. 
And forgiveness doesn't come without repentance. You have to accept the fact that you're a sinner, right? This is uh, so true and a concern that was expressed by Booth. Politics without God. And, you know, this, this country we acknowledge is pretty divided, red versus blue. But when it comes to this observation, politics without God, I think we see it on both sides of the fence. As it states in Romans, uh, the fear of the Lord is not before their eyes. When you see and hear what many of the politicians say and do, more importantly, the way they fight against God's purposes and plans, uh, they clearly don't fear the Lord. And we know, again, because of this truth, wisdom right, comes to us when we begin to fear the Lord. We begin to understand how marvelous he is and all that's at stake and what he's done for us. And then the last one, the reality check that heaven versus hell, these are uncomfortable topics and they oftentimes aren't addressed at all and they are absent. So I'm going to uh, bring one more example from Romans. Um, Paul writes, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. We should be concerned, Jude calls out in verse 3, to contend for the faith that was once for delivered to all the saints. And we should have concern for the glory of God. We should be praising his name at every opportunity. What I love about the uh, one-man group on Saturday is some of the challenges that the men bring to our meeting. And I say it all the time, the value of that interaction is what each individual brings to our group. And I want to share this challenge with you from one of the men uh, challenged me a couple of weeks ago, and it's been on my mind a lot. But we know the commandment not to take the name of the Lord in vain, okay? And uh, I am particularly conscious of that because as an early believer, I called on a customer that could hardly speak a sentence without a preface, GD this, GD that. And it, it just, uh, I didn't have the strength at the time to challenge that. But I'm very conscious of taking the Lord's name in vain, personally. Or at least I thought I was. So the challenge is, this individual said to me, when you claim the name Christian, we claim to be Christ, are we taking the name of the Lord in vain? By our actions, by our affirmations, by what we find acceptable, do we take his, our Lord's name in vain through our tolerance to look the other way, through the choices we make? The reason I thought I'd interject that is, here for years I thought I've really been doing something. <laughs> I thought, I've been on guard and I'm not taking 
the Lord's name in vain. But here's a perspective, a warning, if you will, from another brother that maybe that needs to be looked at a little differently. So I wanted to share that with you this morning. Jude pretty much concludes with a call to persevere. He states, but you must remember, 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 you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, they spoke to you, they said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God. That takes work. That takes reading your Bible every day, as we're so encouraged to do, feeding yourself spiritually. Keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So his call to us is to have empathy and love for those and not lose sight of the fact, not think that we've got it all together, we've got all the answers, right? But to reach out in love and mercy and grace, but never compromise the truth, I think is what he's saying. I want to go back to the points that I said I learned from the experience I had that were imprinted in my mind spiritually, And I had stated and shared with you that I recognized the miracle that I had experienced. Well, now I recognize the miracle really as my salvation, the regeneration of my heart and mind. And you and I, we have been ever changed by the miracles of the atonement. And that places us in Christ forever. Savor it, guard it, value it. Another lesson I told you I had learned was warning will not precede catastrophe or near catastrophe. It'd be nice to have a warning. It would be preferred, but it doesn't always precede it. After reading Jude and sharing it with you and looking back at the sermons from the past two weeks, it's reinforced that God loves us so much he warns us all through Scripture that the wages of sin is death without repentance and faith. Jude reinforces that fact to those who are called, beloved by God the Father, and kept for Jesus in maximum security, if you will. I stated that I learned situational awareness, but now my focus is God has rescued me as he has rescued you out of this world. He set us apart. We are to be different. And he provides and protects me forever. You, like I, are in the palm of his hand. Nothing can ever separate us. I stated I wanted to be prepared for what matters most in life if it was in, within my control. And what I've concluded is being reacquainted to the truth that trust and obey, there is no other way. We have to be in Christ. I stated I wanted to warn those that I love and care for. And uh, 
I still do, but I want to learn from God's word and share God's word with anyone and everyone, and I hope you do too. A good deal of my life in the past, I witnessed that everything was all right till everything was all wrong. There, there wasn't uh, much gray area. Well, the only way to be ready is to be in Christ and to seek to obey him in gratitude and thanksgiving. The other things to remember, I'm going to quote a few scriptures here, and they're what you need to remember because they're God's word. And we should be called to remember as we try to reach out to those around us. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God. We need to remember it's the free gift of God that we enjoy. We need to remember, too, no one is righteous. Oh, what a wretched man am I, right? None is righteous. No, not one. So those brothers... Well, they're not brothers and sisters yet, but those people in the secular world that we come in contact with, we need to remember that. Uh, We were there once and there, but for the grace of God go I. Uh, Romans 12, three gifts of grace, for the grace has been given to me. I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned to us. And Ephesians reinforce it again. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Jude concludes in verse 24 of the doxology. And I want to read it. It's beautiful. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. So the, the nugget, the takeaway is, let us never forget to trust and obey the one and only true God. Trust and obey the one that is really worthy of that trust and obedience. Amen? I've always wanted to say, and the God's people said, oh, come on, God's people. Amen. All right, I guess I was putting you to sleep. I apologize. It is hot in here, though, I'll tell you. They, whew, I think there's a space heater going on. Let's close. Please join me in my uh, applicatory prayer. Let your favor be upon us, O Lord, our Lord. Thank God you are our Lord. By your word, the heavens were made. By the breath of your mouth, you spoke and it came to be. You commanded it. Let us be constantly reminded that you create us, sustain us. Because of your grace and love, you redeem us by your precious, only begotten Son. You alone are the maker and creator of the universe and the heavens. You alone are the maker of this moment and the next. All glory and honor is yours, our Lord. Amen.